Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I'm your host, Nolan O'Hara. It's it's certainly been a while since our lad po- last podcast due to some unfortunate circumstances, but I'm glad to be back here in the studio and talk about the Gophers men's basketball team. So today I'm here with our basketball beat reporter, AJ Condon. AJ, how's it going? Nolan, it's going great. Had a f- good first week of classes and excited to be here. It has been a while. I haven't done this since like one of the first weeks of school with the football team so yeah it's good to be back it's yeah it's been a little bit of a hiatus so I'm, I'm glad to be back here in the the podcast studio at the daily too and and and, and even in the middle of the first week of classes and, you know this is a fun team to talk about here and there's there's a lot to discuss because we're already 15 games into the season um the Gophers right now they're 17th in the nation they're 11 and 4 4 and 4 in the conference um they have a couple of pretty impressive wins. Most impressive is Iowa on Christmas Day and then Michigan just a couple of weeks ago. And um, they have an additional pair of ranked victories to go along with that. All four of their Big Ten victories were ranked opponents. This is just the way the conference has been. Um, and they're kind of where they are right now in large part because the roster looks a lot different than it did last year. And the three transfers, Liam Robbins, Booth Gock, and Brandon Johnson, are a reason why they've all played a huge part in what the Gophers are trying to do this year. I mean, AJ, what have you just seen from them? And like, how would you assess their progression from where they started basically with no training camp to where they are now as the Gophers are 11-4? and four? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Not having the training camp, uh, unconditional preseason made it really hard because it's not just these three transfers, but three new freshmen, two now. Um, but just having five new guys on the team made it really hard without having any sort of preseason. Um, and you saw that a little with these early with these early games, especially with Liam Robbins. Um, right. Foul has, trouble. Yeah, foul trouble. You have a seven-foot guy coming from Drake, coming to the Big Ten. We know how the Big Ten plays. It's aggressive. Um, so those first few games, Robbins was dealing with that foul trouble. He was getting two fouls early, saw the bench for the rest of the first half, and he wasn't able to really get comfortable with the team. Um, but then we got into conference play, and he got put up right against Kofi, Co- Kofi Coburn and uh, Luca Garza. And I think those are the two best bigs like in the conference for sure and even in the um, even the whole league. So those were two big contests that he got to go up to right away. And he played pretty solid with them. Um, and that kind of showed what he was capable of. And we've seen that in the past few games. Um, he's playing outstanding right now. He's playing as our number two guy. Um, and that's exactly what they need. Booth, um, He's kind of transitioned downwards on the offensive side, but upwards on the defensive side. Um, he's kind of disappeared from the scoring part of the stat sheet, but not entirely disappeared from the stat sheet. Um, he's still moving the ball really well on offense. Uh, he's able to get assists, and he's still our number two defender, which Patino likes to say about um, about Gabe, that it doesn't matter about his offense as long as he's contributing on the defense, and which him and Gabe both do very well. Um, Patino doesn't really care about that offense because we have – they have Liam Robbins, they have Marcus Carr, guys like Brandon Johnson off the bench. Um, he was incredible in that OT win in Iowa. I mean, yeah, just hitting everything from three. He couldn't miss. Yeah, lights out. I think it was like eight and nine, um, four or four in overtime. So he's provided really good minutes on the bench and even when he starts too. So all three of those guys um, are a big reason of why the Gophers sit at 11 4 right now. For sure. And yeah, like you mentioned with Robbins, I mean, going up against Garza and, and Cockburn right away, I mean, Garza's. Probably the best big, I mean, for sure in the conference, probably in the country. I mean, that's a, that's a tough way to jump in, especially transferring right away to a power five. Um, 
And, you know, that kind of is a good segue into just the Big Ten Conference as a whole right now. I mean, looking at the ranking, six big, big Ten teams in the top 25. Three are in the top 10 with Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan. And, you know, you're looking at that, and the Gophers are 4-4 four and four in conference play. They beat three of the top 25 teams here. Um, you know, looking at it, is this 4-4 is this four and four record? I mean, is that a win for this team? You know, you'd like to see better, but just looking at their schedule, they played Iowa, Michigan twice. They had Wisconsin. They could almost as easily be 0-8 right now in the conference as 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. This, I think it is a huge win being 4-4, four and four, especially with the games that they have won. And I even throw in the 5-4 and four when you add St. Louis. They're a top 25 team. Um, that's, a, that's a huge win for them, too. So I even go to 5-4 and four in those first nine games. Obviously, St. Louis is in the conference game. But I think where they're at right now is a huge win. Looking at how good this conference is, at one point there were eight ranked teams. I mean, this conference is deep. Um, and it, it's being shown across the, across the conference. Uh, ranked teams are losing unranked teams. And Minnesota's now beat two top 10 teams. So it's been pretty impressive. Um, they have shown, though, that, and we probably will get to this more later, but their home and away is very different. So that's why I think they're sitting right around where they should be at this middle of the ranked um, team. They they aren't a top 10 team until they can prove that they can play on the road. And their schedule is going to get a little easier. So this is the time where they need to show that they can play on the road because once you get to the tournament, Big Ten and NCAA, you're not playing in the barn anymore. So... We're gonna. Have, they're gonna have to figure that out, um, and there's no fans, so I'm I'm very confused to see how different these this team can be when there's not fans cheering, um, cheering against them. So once they figure that out, that's when we can really see what team this is, how deep of a run they're gonna make Big Ten tournament and in that NCAA tournament. It is really puzzling the no fans, and for whatever reason, yeah, they're world beaters at home. They can't win on the road, um, but. Like even in the conference play, I mean, from the beginning of conference play, they went seven and zero in the non-conference. You know, they got a good chunk of non-conference games, even in this pandemic season. And then first conference game against Illinois, they did they didn't look good. I mean, how much of a progression have you seen just since the start of conference play to now? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot. Um, those first few games, Marcus Carr was huge. Even in those non-conference games, Marcus Carr was huge. He was dropping 25, 30 points. Um, and the team was kind of relying on him to get those points so they could win. Um, and then once you get into Big Ten play, teams have seen how the Gophers play. They're able to adjust. They're able to – they can stop Marcus Carr, what Illinois did. They can win games. Um, so what, we, what the Gophers pretty much did is they were able to f- get scores from other um, from other guys. And you saw with Brandon Johnson against Iowa. You're seeing that from Liam Robbins putting up 22 points um, in that game against Michigan. So what I've really seen from them is they're able to get points elsewhere – and Marcus Carr is still contributing. He's not scoring 25, 30 points, but he's getting assists. He's getting rebounds. He's getting steals. Um, so I think this whole team is just meshing together a lot betterly. And I think that comes in big part because they're all living together too. They're getting that off-court chemistry when they're not practicing, when they're not playing. And I think that helps a lot. And they're they're meshing really well together, and they're playing like a real team. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Marcus Carr too because, you know, obviously you can't talk about this team without talking about Marcus Carr and Looking at his play, like you said, the beginning of the year, those non-conference games especially, he was scoring, you know, going out there scoring 30 points. He was he was doing everything for the team. And you could say it's cooled off, but like you said, we also have seen some improvement from other players on the offensive end. I mean, as far as Marcus Carr, I mean, he's definitely improved from last season. And I know Patino doesn't want him going out there and scoring 30 points to win him a game because he said that on multiple occasions. I guess how would you assess his season, even though it's not quite the – electrifying start that we saw in those non-conference games yeah so what i see is that 
like I said earlier, these teams are adjusting to guard Marcus Carr better because he is one of the better guards in this league. Um, so what I really like seeing about him is he's still aggressive, whether he's shooting 0 of 7 or he's 5 of 7. Um, he won't go away from his shot. And my favorite thing about him is he's able to create his own shot. He's able to drive to the rim. He's one of the best finishers I've seen in person, at least this year. Um, he's just re- relentless at the rim. He'll go to the rim. He'll get an and one. And the emotion he shows, he gets his team really fired up. Um, with Jarvis Omersa opting out of the rest of the season, he was their quote-unquote hype guy. Um, and they've kind of – they haven't had that guy. They don't have the handshake guy at the beginning of the games. But Marcus Carr is able to bring this team up and get them energized on any single play. His defense um, has he's, – he still has his breakdowns, but he can make uh, steal on the play, and him and Booth are running the open open court uh, for transition. So he's been a very big part, even if he's not scoring. Right, for sure, yeah. And I mean, the last few games in particular, too, you've seen Patino. He's like, we can't go out here and expect Marcus to score 30 and bail us out. I mean, he's been pretty adamant in that. And looking at the rest of the offense, you know, like you said, we've seen some more improvement from Robbins. He's been contributing. One person who's continued to struggle, Gabe Kelsher, his shot is just from freshman year where it was. I mean, he was he was the team's best three-point shooter. And then the last two years... It's really fell off. Like you said, you know, Patino isn't super worried, you know, because of his play on defense. But at what point does this this shooting become a concern? And as Patino said, you know, what they're trying to do to kind of fix it. I don't know. Is there a way to fix his shot? Yeah, I mean, like you said, from freshman year, he was such a good shooter. And um, we saw that last year with him, sophomore year struggles. And now he's struggling again junior year. Um, and I've tried to get it out of Patino. I've asked him at least two, maybe three times, and he gives me the same answer every time, and that's he doesn't care about Kalshur's offense with the winning plays he makes on defense, and he brings up these winning plays. He gets charges. Uh, he creates steals, and they're late in games. Um, so when he's shooting one of four from three, even three of ten, um, those aren't the best offensive outings, obviously, but what Gabe brings on the defensive side outweighs it ten times over. So... Um, hopefully there is a thing that Gabe can get in. I, whenever he puts up a shot, all I'm thinking is if this one goes in, he'll get hot. And if he does get hot, I mean, this team is going to just improve so much if he can find a shot. Um, but again, defense is huge. Patino calls him the best perimeter, def- perimeter defender, um, and he's right about it. So I think if he can just keep playing defense, hopefully this defense can work into his offense and vice versa. So, Right, for sure. I mean, Looking at it too, it's like looking at this team. I mean, what kind of an element do you think that would bring too? Because it's like you got Carr on the outside, Booth can shoot. You know, we saw Brandon Johnson on Christmas Day. If Kelsher could get his shot going, I mean, what could that that mean for this offense? They'd really be able to spread the floor. Yeah, I mean, Patino had a pretty funny quote. I think it was um, after last game. He said something around the lines of, "If you're the like the worst shooting team, you shouldn't be leading." Um, in three point attempts. So I think that is the one thing this team's missing is having a three point shot. And if you're able to spread the court more, that's just going to open up inside stuff for Liam Robbins. And we've already seen him improve more. And if you can get less double teams and just more one-on-one play, um, especially in these g- games upcoming when he doesn't have guys like Luke Garza and Kofi Coburn, um, he's going to be able to work these bigs a lot more. I mean, he does have a good challenge coming up against Purdue in the next uh, second second game coming up, but against Trayvon Williams. So he's still going to have some um, challenges. But if you're able to spread the court more, it's going to open up things for not just Gabe hitting his shots, but for all four of the others on the court. Yeah, and looking to this, you know, next stretch of the schedule here, you know, we we had that Nebraska game canceled this Wednesday. 
Gophers play Maryland on Saturday. Um, Purdue, Rutgers, and Nebraska. That's their next stretch, which is definitely the weaker part of this Big Ten schedule. I mean, what are you kind of expecting from from this this stretch here? Um, what do you what do you hope to see from Minnesota? You mentioned playing better on the road. Uh, in addition to that, what are you expecting to see? Yeah, so that Nebraska game was cancellation was pretty expected. Petito noted about it in his um, post game conference about after the Michigan game, and that's how they've been looking at this whole season is just day by day. Just don't think too far ahead because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so that game got canceled. Uh, they have Maryland on on the Saturday at home. Uh, they have beaten Illinois and Wisconsin. Both were top 25 teams. Um, so they, they are a good team, but what I've seen with the Govers at home is they should win this game pretty handedly. I think it should be by at least 10 points. Not saying that if they win by five, it's considered a loss. A win still a win, uh, especially in the Big Ten. So I'm expecting the Gophers to beat Maryland. And then you get Purdue, who Purdue and Minnesota always have a pretty solid game, even um, even if they're not ranked. Uh, they have Zach Eady. They're at seven foot four center freshman who he's been fun to watch. And obviously I mentioned Trayvon Williams. So they have some good guys on their team, even their guard. So that's definitely gonna be a harder matchup, especially because it's on the road. Um, I still expect the Gophers to come out of this next stretch of three games, given uh, Nebraska and no, yes, Nebraska and Purdue are uh, um, on the road. I still expect these three games to be wins. Um, and I, I really expect that. Minnesota as a team is going to start playing better on the road, given that they're not playing a top 25 team. For sure, yeah. And, you know, a bit of a down year for Purdue. They, like, they have some talent there. It's just it's not what we've we've seen from that program. I mean, and talk about some good games. I remember a couple of years ago when Purdue was here at the barn and, and the Gophers uh, hung on and, and upset them and, and there was a court storm there. That was a, that was a pretty exciting game. Um, so there, there definitely could be another good game to look forward to there. Um and yeah, this this conference—it's just so tough. Um, you know, Gophers are pretty likely a tournament team at this point, barring some kind of catastrophic collapse here midway yeah. through the season. Um, you know, I don't know. Just like looking at the conference, I mean, what kind of expectations do you have for both how the Gophers can perform here? I mean, how many Big Ten teams do you think we'll see, and uh, where do you think seeding-wise uh, Minnesota will end up? Yeah, so like I said earlier, there at one point was eight ranked teams um, in the Big Ten Conference. I expect there to be eight teams, if not nine, making that tournament, uh, given it is 64. I mean, as of right now, it is 64. Like Patino says, go day by day. Don't look too far in the future. So if it's 64 teams, I expect at least eight Big Ten teams making it. Um, I've seen Gophers specifically as high as a four, um, but I expect them to be around five, six, seven. Who knows exactly where they're going to land because there's still a lot left uh, we're over halfway, but there's still, I think, 11 games left in the season. Um, so a lot can still happen, especially I think analysts want to see how the Gophers play on the road too before they can finally figure out what seed they're going to be. Um, but looking around at a team like Michigan, what I've seen from them, I mean, Michigan looks good. Yeah, Minnesota's their only loss, and they look like a very good team. I think they should for sure be in the lead eight, if not make it to the final four. And then Iowa, which is with how good their shooting is, I expect them to also make the lead eight. Those are the two teams. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping the Minnesota Gophers can make a run too. But those are the two teams in the Big Ten that I expect to go farther in the tournament. Yeah, you know, talking about Michigan looking like a Final Four team. I mean, that first game, I think Michigan to me is the most impressive win for Minnesota this season because the Iowa game on Christmas Day, it they shouldn't have won. I mean, they were down by seven with seconds left on the clock and I think it was forty three seconds. Yeah. yeah. 
and and somehow made a run and and forced it to overtime. I mean, that, that, I feel like they they shouldn't have won that game. Michigan, when they played at Michigan, they didn't look like they belonged in the same gym. And then they come out and they and they beat them pretty handily at the barn. I mean, I, I don't even know what to what to make of it. Talking about this this home and away deal. I mean, you can be writing a story on it here in in, in the, not too long. But what I mean, what is the deal? Why can't they play on the road? I mean, there's there's no fans. There's nothing. There's nothing pushing them along. And there's nothing. Uh, nobody jawing at them from the from the stands. Why why can't this team win on the road? Yeah, it's something that I still have to figure out. I know I do have that story coming out next week, but it's something I still even haven't figured out. Um, so I'm going to definitely look into that. And I do agree, though. That Michigan win was the biggest win the Gophers had this season. Uh, it was just absolutely crazy. The difference in teams we saw from Minnesota from that away game when I think we lost by 30. I, it was hard to watch that end of it. But then beating them by, I think it was 18. So we're seeing very two different Gopher teams, and – I know Patino can't be happy about how different they're playing on the road versus home, given he's probably very happy with how they're playing at home. But something that they got to figure out is how to play on the road, especially like we both said, there's no fans. It shouldn't be that much different. Right. It's it's like the energy energy zapped out of them. I think maybe the one exception being that Iowa game. I mean, that was pretty much a game till the end. It, Iowa kind of pulled away, but the road, it's just been, it's been a struggle and, for everybody listening too, that's a plug for the story. Got to make sure to look for that. <laughs> uh, look for that when it comes out. Um, and then I guess you know, kind of to wrap things up here. Maryland this Saturday. Um, this one's at the barn. Uh, what kind of matchup do you think Minnesota has with with Maryland? And and what's your what's your final score prediction? Yeah. So um, what I've what I've kind of seen with Maryland is. Like I said, with their two wins against top 25 teams, they're a good team. There's no reason to rule them out. Um, looking at like the height-wise sort of thing, the guards do have a little height on Karn Kalashur, but that's given Booth Gotch has – he's 6'6", too. So he's got some height on Karn Kalashur, too. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. I think overall the guards are better. Um, I just – I think the Gophers are going to need Booth to kind of come alive more on offense side. Uh, given he's a great defender, I think he just needs to get back to how he was playing at the beginning of the season – being involved in the offense and getting involved in that transition offense with uh, Marcus Carr because those two can run the floor like very, very good and very fast, and they can they can get you two points off a turnover very easy or even a long miss. So I think that's going to be a key in this game um, upcoming. And then, like I talked about with Robbins, having some easier matchups with uh, the big guys, he has about three inches on Galen Smith. So I think when, when Robbins has these mismatches, it's important to get him the ball almost every possession. Um, and if you can do that and also have Booth get a little more active in an offense, like I said, I think the Gophers should win by double digits, and I'm hoping it's around 10 to 12. So feeding Robbins is the key to uh, Gophers, Gophers win here? I think so, yes. For sure. Well, I think that's I think that's everything. Uh, thank you for joining. It was good to be here and talk about some, some Gophers basketball. Yeah, thanks for having me. In other news, while the Gophers football season is over, you can still catch former Gophers Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tyler Johnson this Sunday in the NFC Championship game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they take on the Green Bay Packers. Winfield and Johnson both made key plays in the Bucks' 30-20 victory over the New Orleans Saints. 
The Gophers women's basketball team bounced back from a three-game skid with a 76-71 victory over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. In her return to Nebraska, transfer Kayla Mershon scored six points while Gadiva Hubbard led the team with 18. The Gophers will look to carry the momentum into their next Big Ten matchup against Penn State on Monday. Last time out, the second-ranked Gophers women's hockey team got swept in the border battle against the Wisconsin Badgers. They'll look to bounce back from those losses next weekend when they take on Ohio State and Columbus. Similarly, the Gophers men's hockey team has fallen back to earth, losing three of their last four games, including getting swept last weekend to Notre Dame after opening the season 10-0. Number four, Minnesota will look to get back on track this Thursday and Friday when they take on Arizona State at Mariucci. The Gophers volleyball team is finally back in action this Friday and Saturday after what will be a 401-day hiatus. Minnesota will look to return to its Final Four form on Friday when they take on Michigan State in a two-game series to open the season. That's all for this week. Make sure to check our website, mndaily.com, for more articles and analysis and tune in again next week for the weekly rundown on all things Gopher Sports. Thanks.